Welcome to another epic episode of Kazi's Audio Experience. This is the podcast where we're not only going to sharpen our technical skills, but we will learn how to become profitable as filmmakers. And guys, it will mean the world to me if you leave a five-star review and subscribe to this channel for more awesome content. Let's get into it. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another live, and this one is a Q&A. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for sending all the questions. We got tons and tons of questions, so I marked these here, and we're gonna do this a little differently. Like, usually I just like bring it all in a Word doc, and then I just like prioritize them, read the questions, and answer them. Here, what I'm doing is like, I just grab screenshots of the questions inside FCM so I can give everybody a shout out when I read their questions. And then we'll go um, from that. Tom Poole, what's going on, brother? Tom, I gotta watch Small Axe. Like, it was recommended to me by a friend who's a huge fan of you and just in general of color grading. And I haven't started it because the series just seems so heavy. But I wanna get into it. I wanna watch it. I'm pumped about it. All right, so where did you learn color grading? I pretty much stumbled upon it. Back in the day when I'm editing, right, 2008, 2009. And in school, in our college, we had access access to Apple Color. So at the time I was making 400, 500 bucks a month, like there was no way I was gonna able to afford it. Uh, we didn't have fancy panels or anything like that. So I just had access to this tool called Apple Color. It absolutely blew my mind, just destroyed my brains. Like I was just like, in Final Cut 7, we had like a three-way color thing, right? But that was just so cumbersome and nobody ever used it, you know, so it was just like intimidating, all of those things. But with Apple Color, it was like this exclusive tool just for finishing and it was so well done. I mean, I might be romanticizing, but when I think about Apple Color, I feel like it was way ahead of its time. I might be wrong, like I said, but when I think about it, it was like an incredible tool. So I started just messing around with it and with college, I mean, the best thing is like, you know, when when we don't have to pay bills, when we don't have other responsibilities like family and you can add the list there. When you don't have that, I feel like it just makes it a lot easier and burden free to kind of just deep dive into one thing, right? And I've always been that guy. I'm not great at too many things, but when I focus on something, I go deep, I go hard. I just started getting so much gratification because my major was cinematography, minor in editing. so. You know, shooting with like limited gear that you have av available in school, your images don't always come out the way you want them. And let's not use gear as an excuse. I also sucked. Like we're we're students, right? We're learning. So I wasn't that great at it. So I'm trying to mimic Roger Deakins. I I, I subscribed to American Cinematographer, and I would read everything like what he would do, and I'll be like, let's create a miniature version of that, and then I'll do it. And obviously, with my lack of knowledge and skills the outcome wouldn't be desiring. So then having Apple Color just made it possible to, to get 5% of like what Deacons is doing. Actually, let's call it 2% of what Deacons was doing. But just getting that gratification and like going, oh my God, this is blowing my mind that this is possible. And what is this thing? Like it's taking my student project and making it look like a semi-decent indie project. And that was just incredible. So that gave me the high to kind of just deep dive and and you know get taken away by this world of color grading and then the rest is history so i would say for me it was self-taught i mean that was a super long answer for your question but i like open-ended questions like that but it was self-taught and then eventually i would just get into like 
certain things that I would be like, how how do they do that? What is this? Like, I don't understand. So I was I would read a user manual, go online, and I'm more of like, let me buy a course than watch random 18 videos on YouTube type of guy. Uh, I mean, now it's changing because the content is just so good on YouTube, but I'm all, I'm just more structured. I thrive in like, hey, give me a curriculum. Give me a, a roadmap from A to Z. And I can just see myself, right? Manifest like where I'm going to be after I finish this program. So that just like takes a lot of stress out of my, of my learning journey, if you will. So everybody learns differently. I feel like there's, we live in an amazing world where content is available for free from practitioners. That is amazing. But the biggest issue here is that you can get lost in the world of just learning and not applying because you will have so many holes in your education because it's not given to you, spoon fed to you, again, as a roadmap right? Like where it just covers and patches all the holes along the way uh, to make you a more all-rounder, if you will. So hopefully that answers your question. Let's move on to the next one. And the question is, how do you color grade a footage with multiple colored lighting falling on the subject one at a time? Music video, for example. I feel like a lot of people get too hung up on like the skin tones need to be perfect. I need to work on the skin tones. Well, when it comes to RGB lighting, that goes out the window, okay? Unless, unless you got master cinematographer in action where they're lighting their characters, let's just say with tungsten or daylight, right? So they have sort of like a spotlight on them and then they're lighting the scene around them with RGB lighting. So in that case, like, you know, think of something like La La Land and just in general, like when you think about Oscars or, or stuff like that, when there are performances going on, they'll have LED lights and they'll have like these backgrounds that would be blue and magenta and all these crazy electric colors but then their subject is lit with like tungsten or again daylight and then they'll calibrate you know their cameras according to that that to just make them look proper like natural and then everything around them is rgb lighting or whatever have you so it's one of those right like you can only do so much as a colorist you can't like um a client can't come to you and go this is the way it was shot but i want you to make the skin tones look natural that's just not going to happen uh, if they didn't count for that, right? So that's one of the things that you have to keep in mind. So my suggestion would always be get your images, when you look at the vector scope, get your images in the middle, like where all the lines meet, right? Just get the get everything in the middle as possible, um, and that's going to keep your image not biased toward one quadrant, right? Whether it can get like super warm and all those warm tones, oranges, yellows, reds, right? That are coming in or all of a sudden you got magentas and blues over here. So you don't want to push it toward one thing unless that's the creative direction, then obviously. So that would be my answer to you. Moving on to the next question. So this is very relevant to what's happening in 2023, especially with like chat GPT that is absolutely taking over the world and for all the right reasons. I don't know if you guys have been messing with it. I'm pretty sure everybody has heard of it by now, but I'm pretty knee deep into it. I'm like really using it just as an experimental thing. Like I'm using it to generate emails, to generate script ideas, to generate titles. Like, oh my God, it is so crazy. And it's like saving me hundreds of dollars of subscriptions that I had to services to help me with those things to just have this tool do it and it's absolutely free. It's 
it's mind-boggling. And so let's read the question. What do you think about AI tools for filmmaking and post-processing? So I feel like my experience so far with it, which is not really deep, but just based on my experience, I feel like when it like we're we're safe. And when I say that, I say it sarcastically from the scarcity mindset. And you guys know I hate that mindset, but I'm just saying it for all the people that just think, oh, like AI will take all the jobs. What am I going to do? I'm just saying we're safe because our job is so niche and it is so creative. It comes so much from here. That's why I'm always like taste making over being a tech nerd when it comes to color grading. So those jobs will be gone, gone. CST and all these things, forget about it. You just write it and you tell it, hey, this is from Alexa. You figure out what flavor of Alexa log is being used. I want you to export this for Instagram. You figure out what it needs to be. So it's gonna go and do Rec 709 and Gamma 2.4 and then I'm gonna say, this is gonna be played in the theater you figure out what it's going to be. It's gonna do DCI-P3, it's going to do all of that. So technical jobs, the technical juice that everybody just goes so hard about and rides me so hard about like on all the forums and all the freaking grandpa colorists that just like cannot stop talking about it, all these things are gone, like gone. Like that is just going to be taken care of. So I'm saying that with 1 million percent confidence, all that technical mumbo jumbo gone because it doesn't matter. That will be replaced with a single click because computers are, will always be more intelligent than us and they can collect so much more information than us. But when it comes to doing things from here that requires soul, that is the thing that's still missing, that will be missing. So that's where you have to fill in the gaps and that's where taste making comes into play and that's why I'm not scared one bit. Because from day one, my agenda and my battle cry has always been, I want to turn you into a tastemaker. I don't care about the technical mumbo jumbo. I don't care about learning how to rebuild this LUT from scratch. Good. Let me pay somebody 1500 bucks and have them create a LUT that I'm looking for. Done. Like that, you know, pay for the service, get the, get the thing, get the product, move on. Right? So it's like, it's always, that's not the thing. It's just all about big thinking, right? Work on curiosity, work on like, you know, what gets you going and gives you a certain feel, right? We can sway this topic into something that, you know, I recently watched, The Last of Us. Like, let's talk about that for a second, right? Masterful on every front. First show that gave me the colors, like literally were so true to what happened in the video game that it actually kind of got me excited. I'm like, what if I take something from God of War and try to recreate that look and have fun with it? Because it's sort of like painting, right? When it comes to like graphics and things like that, they're so exaggerated and out there. And I feel like that's what Stefan, uh, you know, did with The Last of Us. I was mind blown. I was like, oh my God, that's great. So it's gonna be really hard for AI to do that. But what it will do that will affect our jobs somewhat will be shot matching aspect of it. Something that Dado Valentik has been working on for a very long time. I mean, his whole agenda for a while has been like AI, you know, to, to help us shot match. And I've messed with his software and I feel like it's okay, it's good, it's kind of clunky, it's not there yet. But 
I just know for a fact that he already got a head start on so many people and companies on that when it comes to color grading. And he's like really playing with something very exciting right now. And that is going to be something that is the future, like where I just build a look, I do something really cool. So what is it going to replace? It's not going to replace colorists. It's going to replace assistant colorists. So once again, if you're not the technical being that technical dude who just like gets as high on like all of like reading the freaking fine print and learning all about that stuff, but is actually a big picture person and like focusing on creating art and helping the story, forget about it, right? Like, I mean, you don't have to worry about AI. You can actually learn AI, be ahead of that like, you know, curve and like always stay ahead and play that game. So I personally feel like it's just so exciting. I am blown away. I'm playing with some other tools too that I wanna eventually introduce in my next masterclass. And I'm gonna do a little section where I'm gonna just, uh, basically the, the whole module is going to be like how we can use AI to help us blow up in our business and in our hard skills, whatever it is, whether it's like editing or color grading. So I'm like really excited to kind of incorporate some of the tools that I've, I've been playing with. And I just feel like they're not as juvenile or they're not as basic as you might think. Like it's just really going to the next level. So great question. All right, moving on to the next one. The question is how to shot match different cameras and codecs. So first rule is always going to be, uh, one thing that you can do or a lot of professionals do is like they will convert, like let's just say, you know, people say, a lot of people say work in ASUS, right? Cause like that kind of closes the gap and brings, like it strips away 10, 15% of the, the sauce that every manufacturer put in their color science and kind of strips it away and brings in the ASUS sauce. So then it kind of closes that gap. I mean, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden the GoPro Sky and the Alexa Sky, if they're shot at 5,600 Kelvin, are both going to be perfect match. No, the, uh, there's still going to be more cyan in your GoPro compared to like, you know, say your... Uh, your Alexa, you still have to kind of bring it in, but it's going to be less prominent than let's just say if you're working in DaVinci Wide Gamut. Um, so something to just keep in mind, right? And so that's one thing to keep in mind. Another thing that you can do, uh, which personally I don't do a lot, but you can, and it can save you a lot of time, is like convert the color science to whatever camera you're using. So you can also do like, oh, I'm using Alexa and red. Okay, take red in the CST, do the input to red, and do the output to Alexa, right? So now you converted it from like that to Alexa, and then on the output, you're gonna do Alexa to Rec 709, just like what you were doing for Alexa. So your input sandwich was like Alexa to whatever, right? And then you were going like uh, Alexa to Rec 709. So now you're doing the same thing. I personally don't like to do that. I love how the software operates. I'm very comfortable with DaVinci Wide Gamut and how every tool behaves, and especially Lift Gamma Gain and the offset, um, the, the printer lights. I'm just so comfortable with like what it does and how to get wherever I need to go. I'm really proficient at it. So like I just convert everything to DaVinci Wide Gamut and then we're virtually, all the tools are behaving the same way. So that would be my two cents on that. Good question. Why Resolve is better than Premiere for color grading? I mean, the answer is simple. Resolve came out as a finishing tool and Premiere Pro came out as an NLE, nonlinear editor. So different jobs, right, uh, that they were 
uh, known for, and I say this to this day, I miss Premiere Pro when it comes to editing. I feel like my editing style and the jazzy cuts and the and the crazy transitions and and uh, right clicking and sending it to After Effects and doing like a parallax and things like that are all out the window. I miss that so much. Now my videos are like so plain Jane lame and that's because uh, Resolve. I'm not comfortable with Fusion, so I'm not just like throwing my videos in Fusion and just like doing all the things there. Uh, I don't have all the templates. Companies are not making templates for Resolve as much as they are making them for Premiere Pro. The templates that I am using are clunky as hell. They crash my Resolve and they're just not a good experience. So I end up not using them. So all the text and everything is not kinetic. It's, it's, it doesn't have like the juice. So I miss it. I miss it so freaking much that I don't even want to say it. But I may just try editing a few of my videos in Premiere Pro or a different software that I'm messing with right now, maybe. Just to kind of see if I can get the, the editing creative juices flowing again. Because ever since I moved to Resolve, I've been just hindered by all of those like things that I'm talking about, right? Like when I see Chris Howe's video, Chris Howe is still editing in like Premiere Pro. When I watch his videos, I'm like so inspired and pumped. Like it's just like quick cuts and screen splits and does this and does that. And majority of them are templates. I'm not taking anything away from him, but I'm just saying there's so many things that are just created there. Or, or again, like the cool parallax that we see of like the, the screenshot, right? Or if I'm doing something in Resolve and I'm like giving it this dynamic like three dimension to it, it's so easy to right click, send it to After Effects and do that. You can't really do that. Like again, you can do it in Fusion probably. I don't mess with Fusion, so I'm just not doing it. Then it's like a lame zoom in to like all my screenshots, things like that. So I just feel like with where we're headed, how much that stimulation we just expect. And even like when we talk about business people that are hiring these badass editors, putting out this crazy stimulating videos, that's what people are programmed to watch. So they don't want to watch like flat videos, right? So like you got to load it with text and the text has to be kinetic and karaoke style and all those things. And that's just a must right now. And I feel like Resolve is kind of keeping me back with like how limited it is when it comes to editing. It's great for narrative. You want to edit a, a movie? or a TV show, good on you, go do it. Like no big deal. You wanna cut a quick, fast paced, crazy jump cuts, insane YouTube video or TikTok? I think uh, Premiere still has a leg up on Resolve. Will that change with the next version? I don't know. That's where we're at right now. But that's how you separate the two, right? So like Resolve, and then when it comes to color grading, Premiere, because let's just say if Premiere takes 20 years and just makes crazy leaps and gets really good at color grading, well, Resolve will also have 20 years to keep working on what is already working. You get what I mean? So they'll always have a leg up. Great question. Okay, vignettes or magic mask in Resolve? What's your preference? And I think I'm just not having the best time with magic mask right now. I just feel like it's so glitchy and it does like weird things like where it just like, even if you set it to better and all the things, it pops and it's like if I'm grabbing somebody's like say shirt, like it'll just, remove like a part like around their armpit and all of a sudden the color will shift and it'll just like give away the 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 gag and then I have to go in and manually do it. No, I don't like tools like that at all. Like anytime when stuff like this happens, no. I like to make broad strokes or then get in for like the fine, you know, last pass and like correct those things. But I never like to work 
you know, with like, oh, there's a little glitch I got to fix and I got to do micro, you know, keyframes and things like that. No. So I'm not a fan. I will stick with vignettes. Just again, relight. Think about like yourself as a, as a digital cinematographer, like, hey, what can you do in post uh, or a cinematographer in post? And it's like, how can we shape light and mold light and just make it more poppy and make it more juicy and three dimensional, things like that. And then the depth map is just so rock solid, man. It is so good. I'm blown away with like its capabilities and it is version one and it is rock solid. I cannot wait for them to keep working on it and bring more AI, their neural engine, and just make it more and more in intelligent where not only it can just read the spatial Z-axis, but also starts picking up on objects and kind of blend the two. So I'm just like beyond stoked about that. My brother is live. What's going on, brother? <laughs> Let's go, baby bro. Who basically has an excellent video on chat GPT. So if you are curious what I mentioned earlier and want to learn about like what it can do, I mean, this guy and this video is like basically trending first or second right now on that topic on YouTube. He has a channel with over a million followers so or subscribers. So you guys should definitely check it out. I think if you just type in clever programmer on YouTube, like that video is going to pop up. It's blowing that up in two days. It has over 130 or 120 K or something like that. So definitely go check it out. So the question is, does converting ProRes raw in CDNG to work in DaVinci will break my image apart? And the answer is, I don't think so. Anytime you're doing sort of like a lossless conversion, think about this. Alexa gives you options to shoot in raw or ProRes. It would have never done that if it degraded the quality, right? So think about that. So like they give you the options, um, hey, shoot it in log or shoot it in ProRes, but not only ProRes 444XQ in different flavors of ProRes, you get to pick. If you're gonna put something on national television, you can easily do ProRes 422HQ, you're good, right? So that, that should kind of tell you that no, the images don't break up that easy. So you can easily do CDNG, something that Resolve is comfortable with, and then just send it through and see what happens. Hey, Kazi, how do you get your first uh, freelance client? And my suggestion right now is going to be nobody right now in 2023 should be looking at social media with a raised eyebrow, like kind of like mm, this thing. I don't know if I trust it. I feel like those days are long gone. That makes you such a dinosaur. That makes you lame. That makes you repulsive. People don't want to be around you. People don't want to talk to you. And if people want to be around you and they think that's cool, run away from those people because that world is long gone. I'm telling you, okay? When you see people that are billionaire, when you see people that are so freaking famous like The Rock and they're on social media all day, every day, that should tell you everything. They don't need to be on social media. Like if he just literally quits his like all like social media platforms, like if he just like disappears today, nothing changes. Like his net worth doesn't change, but he knows the power of it and he's on it. So let's look at the winners and just follow their footsteps. That's what's happening, right? So if you want to start your career as a freelance colorist or, or a freelance filmmaker, I will go back and say the same thing. Like go follow some micro influencers, right? Don't start at the top. Don't hit up company three and be like, are you guys looking for some colorist? I'm in India and I can do all the things. No, it doesn't work like that, right? So like start like with somebody on Vimeo, go on Vimeo, go on short films, watch all the short films, figure out the information, who uploaded the film, look that person up on Instagram, send them a voice message, don't send them a text message, send them a voice message so they know that it's not a copy paste operation and then let them know, 
hey, love that film, love XYZ in that film. Oh my God, it was so great. Everything was amazing about it. I am a colorist and here's some of my work. It will be an honor if you can throw me something and I can show you what I can do. Done. Don't get into like, here's a contract. Let, let's get the attorney involved. You know, blah, 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 nothing. Just say that and put the ball in their court and just shut up, right? And then they're going to see that and they're just, all they're going to get out of it is like, oh my God, this person is genuine. They say the exact things that they liked about it. Then they'll probably have something. Oh my God, dude, you don't, you have no idea. Like that one shot, shot was so difficult. We did seven takes. It was impossible, but we finally nailed it. So I appreciate you loving it so much. Boom. Instant connection, right? Like instant connection that's genuine. And then they're going to go, come to think of it, I have a colorist, but I know Tom who just finished the film and it's a super, super small budget and uh, they're looking for a colorist and um, yeah, I'm going to connect you two and then take it from there. I'm telling you, it's magic. Like, and it just put your best foot forward. Don't do that thing of just like numbers game. One thing that I want to say is like, don't be that guy. Like my wife just posted a picture of her and I date night and somebody commented because I commented, sent her hearts and kiss emojis. And then under that, this guy who's a fan of mine commented underneath and said, hey, hook me up with a visa. Like I'm in India. I want to come out to the United States. Can you please get me a visa? What kind of fucking request is this? Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, and we were laughing when we were talking about it. I was just telling her, I'm like, man, like these guys got this like ask and you shall receive like mindset down, boy. Like they just like ask you for anything and everything. I like your wife. Can I have her please? Like what is going on, man? This is not, that's not the same. Like asking you shall receive is a good mindset. But you just have to have some brains, like some tact when and how to use it, you know, and it's not that hard. Just just use some common sense, right? Should I wait until I calibrate my monitor or just start color grading? No, just set your monitor to default, right? Factory default. It doesn't matter. It could be a $10 monitor, you know, hand me down anything. Practice is always going to be better. Experience is always going to be better than just like waiting, hoping and wishing, right? And that's what I say to everybody when people are just like, huh, thinking about buying the advanced panel, but it's $35,000 like after taxes and everything. So I don't know, like, you know, Resolve did like say something about they might be releasing a new panel. Okay, while you wait for three years until they release the next panel, I'm going to do so many gigs, pay my panel off in a few months, keep it for four years, and then sell it and still make 23, 24 grand. Let's just say if I lose seven, eight, nine grand, those nine grand could be like the rental cost for four years for this panel and the money that it made me. And now I have the new panel. You and I both have got the new panel the same day. So that's the mindset, okay? Like overcome that hurdle when people are just always like, if this, then that, right? Don't do that. Just do both. How Gary V always says. Do both. Like the answer is always both. And it really is in this case. How to make a commercial look saturated and happy, but still keep the sophistication of neutral walls. And that is something that I used to call clean white look. And it's basically like, you know, you, you grade your image, right? You add all the juice 
And then you go in and you start pulling like the gunk out of like areas like where majority of the the merger colors are gonna seep in. So if you watch my latest tutorial on the Fuji Film XT4, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. There was one point when we were adding the juice and creating that concoction and while doing that, there was a point where there was a lot of gunk that started to show in the back of his shirt, right? Like white shirt. And I just went in and I pulled those colors back and pulled that out. And that's where secondaries are very important. So most of the time you will create that by using secondaries where you can easily, and that would be a later step. So you don't wanna bother with that early on. You, like the first steps are always going to be, let's go balance your shot, right? Um, and then once you balance and get it in the right world, and when I say balance your shot, let's say if the movie is going to be really dark, when you are creating your base balance, don't keep everything in the middle, like you don't have to. You can actually keep it kind of like low, right? To keep it dark. So like then it's not too much work because you don't want to overdo the work. Like they shot it dark, you brought it up and you're putting everything in the middle. Then you're going back and you're kind of bringing everything down again when you're creating the look. So why do that extra step? Keep everything below, keep it balanced, colors are balanced. Let's start matching it to all the shots and just keep everything in the same world, like in the waveform. And then from there, like the later steps are going to be, now let's get in our secondaries, hue versus saturation, color pick certain areas, pull the saturation down, see it across multiple clips to make sure nothing is cracking, and then move on. But in my masterclass, there is actually a whole lesson showing you in much more detail. I actually call it the clean white look. And I'm actually thinking about doing a 2023 version of like all the new tools that we have available. I'm thinking about incorporate, incorporating that in my next webinar, live webinar that I'm gonna do that's gonna happen in March. And I'm actually thinking about uh, making that part of that webinar and showing you guys with like the HDR palette and Color Warper and all the new you know technology that Resolve has brought in to their latest version, how can we take advantage of it and do it even in a better way? So if that is something interesting, like definitely DM me and let me know. So because I, I, I like to plan ahead and I'm trying to like gather all the things that I wanna cover in that webinar. How can I make a cinematic grade without making my skin tones look weird? So that is a pretty solid question. And my answer is this, once again, if you watch my latest video, um, in the Fujifilm XT, you can see we created a very extreme look. We went for like that Godfather, you know, we are in Sicily look, like Godfather 2 Sicily, like we kind of pushed it really far out. Brian Singler just said like, you know, clean white looks are really hard and I couldn't agree more. And he does a really good job with it because he has like so much pop everywhere and then he will do that. Or even like his AT&T commercial that we discussed when I did a live with uh, Brian, was like one of my favorite works of his and that's what happened like you know he, he created a really nice theme and and a pop in a certain area on the vector scope but then he kept everything else so clean and and you know the more experience i get as a colorist what i learn is that it's not always about the addition of color sometimes it's the subtraction of color that makes something look so cinematic and good so you don't get there until you practice, 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 fail, practice more, lose a few clients along the way, 
fail some more, practice, practice, practice. And then you start finding those like things like where you're just like Eureka's. You're like, oh my God, you're like, this is insane. Like now I have this in the bag that now I have that in the bag. And it's like when a client wants for something, you don't struggle, right? Or you don't do an eye roll. We do a lot of eye roll and we do a lot of like, oh my God, like I wanted to work on cool jobs and my life sucks and all I do in X, Y, and Z. We do that because we're lacking knowledge. When we have knowledge, I just got to work on a campaign for Adidas, which is like a, a crazy dream of mine. I finally got to do it. I was super, super stoked. You guys can check out the work on my website, uh, kaziandco.com or wakaskazi.com. But I was like so proud to work on it. And, uh, you know, the, the director goes, dude, just make it look like Rec 709, but clean it up. Just Just balance it, clean it up because it is a shoe commercial and that's our focus. And they just want, want it very glossy, very clean. And I'm like, in, in my head, I'm like, that's kind of opposite of like what I usually think of Adidas original. Uh, when I think of Adidas original, like I'm always thinking about really grungy urban vibe, like, you know, like 16 millimeter, heavy grain, like halation, all the things. They said, nope, don't do that. And I took it, as like a fun thing. I'm like, this is amazing because I'm just so gravitated toward those looks and I'm always doing that, that eventually it just becomes all the same. So I'm like, yes, got it done literally so fast because I did not let my mind wander and think about poor me. The first time I get a Adidas commercial, I get to do just like a plain Jane look. Like, no, dude, how can you make it super clean? How can you just make it where the client has zero feedback and they go, amazing, we're coming back to you, right? And that's exactly what happened. And I was stoked. I was proud of it. I was proud of myself to come so far because I didn't used to be easy to work with. I was that guy who would just always fight and bicker and argue and be like, you guys don't understand. I'm a colorist. Like, this is better, blah, 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 blah. That happens when there is a lack of knowledge. Um, so very, very important. Um, that was like such a crazy tangent and I'm just looking at your question, but coming right back around to what you said, if you want to focus on the skin tones, when you're creating a really pushed look, uh, saturation dial is the key. Saturation knob is your best friend. Like I promise you, like anytime you do any push look, whether you're doing split toning, whether you're doing a really push wash, whatever it is that you're doing, it's gonna come down to saturation knob. Like, yes, you can qualify the skin. Yes, you can do all those other things, but I'm telling you the overall juice, when you just go into the saturation knob and you go, okay, this look is crazy orange. Let me pull, 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 pull. You know, 0.4242, uh, right, 0.41. Like once you bring the saturate, or maybe not 0.42, but 42, because the saturation starts at 50, right? So you bring it down to 42, you bring it down to 40, you bring it down to 39 everything clicks. You're like, oh my God, it got the sophistication. It looks amazing. Everything falls into place. And that's why I'm a huge fan of broad changes, broad strokes, broad strokes. I'll keep doing broad strokes until I'm like, now I need to go grab that red and pop it, right? Because that red is becoming too deep and I'll, I got to grab it and I got to make it electric and I got to pull it out, right? And give it that energy, that vibrancy. That's when I'm going to go in, but that's going to happen later. 
steps are very important when it comes to color grading. You can't just go, I can do this now and I can do that later. Don't do that. In which machine, laptop or PC, you suggest to start FCM? So basically, something that we get a lot when it comes to people taking my course and they're always like, oh, it just seems like I need to have like the fastest machine. And the answer is always no. You don't need to because you, you got to go through my masterclass in a sequential order. And when you do, when you get to the studio setup, I tell you how to optimize your machine. So like the things that, you know, we're doing, your system will be capable of like taking that on. So you can optimize your media, right? You can, you can turn on proxies sometimes. You can change the timeline from 4K to 1080p because that is more than enough right? When you're just looking at it, you can obviously export it in like full res, but I'm just saying while you're just looking at on your screen. So there's many ways to, to get around that. Obviously you will still need like, you know, resolve is memory hungry. So you'll still need at least eight gigs, 16 gigs of Ram, those kind of things, but you'll be totally fine. You can take that course with whatever you got and you'll be okay. What's the best node tree workflow for grading sessions? Mine gets messy over time. So I think she's talking about when she's doing like a live session, like what's the best process? Because yes, you know, let's just keep it very rudimentary. There are two different ways to color grade. One is like free node tree, right? Like, so that's just like loose node tree. Let's just call it free or loose node tree, which is build your node tree as you go. So this shot will require, and I used to do that. So this require eight nodes. This shot requires 12 nodes. This one requires 20 nodes, whatever, right? Uh, you're doing a session with a with a client and they're like, oh, can we also do this? And you're like, okay, one minute. You create a new node for that and you create a new node for something else and you create a new node for something else. So that's like one. My favorite method is fixed node tree. And I'm looking at, you know, Brian saying the same thing. So fixed node tree is something that I've been promoting for a while now. And uh, I have modules in my masterclass, you know, how to build the the HDR node tree or perfect node tree. And, and obviously even that is evolving day by day because Resolve is coming out with new tools. And then I incorporate those things. So like now my latest, latest, latest like version, I don't know, 8.1 of the fixed node tree has a depth map placed in, right? In the node tree. So depth map is boom, part of it. So like it's not, and it has like the parameters, generic parameters put in too. So when I'm working on a shot, dude, like it's lightning fast. Like I'm just working on something and all of a sudden the client is just like, oh man, it's just like, is there a way to pull her out of the background? All they're seeing is just like my, my uncompressed screen, right? Like all, that's all they're saying. And I'm already in there, boom, doing that and pulling the background down. And they were like, whoa, we didn't see any window being created or anything. What is just going on? And it's just like isolating the background. So you keep modifying that. But fix node tree is the sauce because some of the, one of the things that, you know, pro colors do, especially when you're using a big panel, um, I, I, I've learned to become a better colorist even after getting this panel because there are, functions and keys and ways to grade when you have this panel that you don't even know that it's possible. So having that and just doing like ripple select and like, you know, just going through like, I want to make this one change, one minute change that I'm just adding because the client said something and I want to add that and I want to add it to these 18 shots. I just select those 18 shots and I make that little change and I hit ripple select. It applies it to that exact node that is 
uh, dedicated for director or DP or anything like that. And it puts it right there in that node on all of those shots, right? So it's perfect one click operation. And that would not happen if you have a loose node tree. Because if you're working on node number 12 here, and in another shot, you have 20 nodes, the node 12 already might have something, you know, in the shot that you're trying to copy paste that little change that you made. So the node 12 on the new shot is empty. You make a change, you ripple that, and it puts it, it overrides what was already there on that node. So those are just one of the things to think about. And it's like how messy it can get. Not to mention that once you have a fixed node tree, I have a muscle memory. I just know exactly what node 17 is or what node 13 is. So when I'm working and I just go pop, like select node on my panel and I go one seven, boom, and I'm, I'm there. And like the, the, the client is like, hey man, can we bring the sky down a little bit? And I'm just like node number seven. It's like select seven, enter, boom, like I'm there and I'm already pulling and like bring the sky down. And I just feel like, Fix no tree is the sauce. Can I edit photos in Resolve? And it's like, when I was new, not new in Resolve, but like when I was pretty comfortable in Resolve, I felt the same thing. Anytime I would open Lightroom, I would just cringe or Photoshop. And I would be like, oh my God, what's what? Like I'm, I'm driven crazy. What's going on here? But I can tell you right now, always learn the tool for the specific job. Like it's never going to be hard if you learn the right way. Learning the right way may sound subjective and pretty loose, but it's not. Learning the right way is connecting everything with logic. I'm gonna watch a video about color grading in Resolve. I'm gonna go in Lightroom, open the three-way color corrector that they now have in Lightroom, apply the same exact rules in there. I'm gonna go in their HSL section I'm going to apply the same rules as like HSL curves, like in Resolve. I'm going to go in the custom curve and I'm going to apply the same exact rules that I use when I'm grading in Resolve. You get what I'm saying? It becomes so beautiful. It becomes so like custom, but that tool is just meant to do that one thing. So it's going to be so much faster and so much easier. And they're, they're going so hard on neural technology as well. So it's like with Lightroom now, it's like you can select objects in a photo app, right? On my phone. And I'm just selecting like whatever object and in inverting it and grabbing the background and pulling it down and desaturating it and going back and then inverting it to my person or my watch in the foreground and popping it out a little bit, adding a little bit more texture and things like that. And it's just like, it's just meant to handle that. So the answer is always learn the best tool for whatever job you're working on. And when you're learning in general, don't learn from that closed mind that, hey, this advice only applies to this one thing in this instance. No, always learn with a very broad mindset that I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna apply it everywhere. This question is pretty good. Film print emulation with Kodak LUTs look, looks good in DaVinci, but it looks dark when ex exported. So I don't necessarily think that it looks dark when exported unless your settings are jacked up. Like if you're exporting properly, like how I show in my free training, like, I mean, you can watch it. The link is gonna be in the in the bio of my, uh, on my profile, but there's a section about like how to fix, do the gamma shift fix, 
right? So like usually when people export, like they just think like things look weird. So it will help you fix that. But once that's fixed, yes. So these LUTs, the Kodak 2383 uh, film print LUTs in Resolve are just so heavy handed. It's like just a smear, like, right? So it's like, it's so, so it has such a heavy touch that anytime I apply it, I'm chipping away. I'm kind of like ripping like some of the, the, the life and blood of the LUT to kind of make it somewhat natural, you know, because it does like a weird thing. It will nerf your blues. It will nerf your reds. And you're like, whoa. So lately, I just can't use them, especially on commercials, because if I'm working on a commercial and we're with commercials, like, you know, the red has got to be the right red. The blue has got to be the right blue. And when you apply a LUT like that, it just throws everything out. It's really hard to then bring that red or blue back out and keep it to like the actual color. So a lot of what I'm doing is like, I just go nuts with my wheels and then I will create a really crazy look. Then I will use the HSV and HSL color space techniques to add color depth in my image to like add a lot of like that film color density juice and then do the halation and, and grain and add texture. And by doing all those things, I end up building a very solid film look from scratch um, that I have 100% control over. Or uh, one of my tried and tested favorite tools, third-party plugin, is from Dado Valentic um, Look Designer. I feel like I didn't used to love it as much in the beginning. I was kind of like, eh, it's not really film-like. I preferred Dehancer and I preferred, um, fill, uh, what is it, Film Tools, I think, or something like that. So I preferred those over um, Look Designer because I just felt like it didn't do much. But more and more I used those tools, I felt myself being cornered. Like it was just like, they do such a good starting point but they do a little bit too much of that so you're kind of stuck with like the the color palette and it's really hard to kind of yeah they give you all the things to like not as much the the film tools or what is that tool i don't have resolve open right now it's not called film tools but it's film something that one film box film box sorry so film box does not give you a lot of flexibility at all they need to open that up. Like the reds become oranges and that I'm like, dude, I'm out. Like you can never make your oranges look red again. Like never. So, I mean, if, if you're working for Donald Trump and his hat, you know, let's make America great again. That red is gone. That red is going to look like this orange. So you're, you're screwed. You can never make that look red. So that's one thing about like film box that I was just like tripped out about. I'm like, dude, what is that? Like, that's like super trippy. So I kind of stopped using that uh, momentarily, but I'm sure everybody makes changes and, and here's our feedback and they might change it, make it better. Uh, Dehancer is a lot better. It gives you a lot more gran uh, granular um, parameters to kind of make it your own, whatever look that you're creating, but still not as crazy as Look Designer. I feel like Look Designer doesn't start out too strong, but you keep adding on, you keep adding on, you keep chipping away, you can do subtractive color in there. There's a lot of cool things, but I feel like it just stays very authentic. It still keeps like your negative very pristine. And then you can add additional things on top of it. Like I'm saying, like, you know, you can, you can go in there and then like throw 
other fun things on there like halation and grain and all that good stuff. Okay, so this one is pretty good. I'm gonna make this the last question. So this is from Odd Goats, and that's from my homie Marvin, FCM fam, and he said, which away from RE log do you feel is the most advanced log space currently to work with when focusing on color? So this is not even a second thought, it's red. Red's color science, oh my God. One, they have so many different flavors to play with, but their color science is second to none. I feel like you just get such a clean, pristine image right out the box. I mean, even like I recently watched a video from MKBHD and he did a camera comparison and that's one of the things that he mentioned. He was just like, dude, Brian, I'm going to touch base on that too, what you just said. Yes. But what he said is like, uh, MKBHD is just like, you know, we use cameras because we use cameras that we feel comfortable with that they're getting, they're capturing the thing that we're seeing, right? So one of the reasons why I just stopped using iPhone for taking pictures or doing anything is because it just sucks at taking pictures. It is absolutely dismal garbage, especially when you put it next to uh, it's sitting right over there. When you put it next to my Pixel 7 Pro, right? So Pixel it just literally mops the floor with iPhone 14, 15, 17, 18, and 21, whatever comes out. Like, you know, because Pixel will keep growing too. So their AI technology is kicking in hard. Google has been like absolutely dominating in that space. And, you know, their product shows for it. But I don't use it to do my live because I don't trust it the thing crashes. Like I literally have two apps on it and it works like garbage. So when it comes to practicality, nothing will get my vote anytime soon or take me over from the Apple ecosystem because it just works. It is expensive, but the hype is real. It's the products that I can just hand and you know give to my parents and walk away and not worry about that every five seconds I'm gonna get a call and they're gonna be like this, that, and the other thing just got my mom uh, the AirPods and she opens them up and she goes, hey, what's on my screen? And I'm like, mom, it's asking you to connect. Just hit the connect button. And she just hits the connect button. Boom. Brand new AirPods out of the box. She sees it. She reads it. She understands it. Hits connect. Done. Like all that freaking stupid Bluetooth crap that we used to have to do to pair devices, gone. So Apple master of that nobody nobody takes the cake there right but you know one of the things that mkbhd was saying is that that's what we gravitate toward right and he's like i stuck with i use so many different cameras and he's like i went with red because red had the best cleanest image like straight out of the camera like you drop a rec 709 and it's always clean because alexa adds that little green juice to give you to mimic like the old film you know negative but I feel like it's just not the hot shit right now, like, or anymore for people that just want to put out content. It's great for colorists that are dialed in that know, you know, what that is and how to work with it and, or how to live in that world if you want to. It's great for all of that. But I feel like red is just like, oh my God. And then the dynamic range is just chef's kiss. I'm always impressed. And nowadays with like where the hardware is, it is not a problem ever whatever it is, 8K footage, you know, 6K footage, 4K footage from Red, it works perfectly fine. Going back to what uh, Brian said, DaVinci White Gamut, uh, I completely agree with him. So inside Resolve now, when you talk about a log space, I am 
absolutely in love with DaVinci White Gamut. Unless the client tells me we're doing everything in Asus, this is gonna be a VFX heavy thing, that is the color space we wanna go with, I'll work in Asus, but in general, nothing beats DaVinci White Gamut. I feel like Resolve literally just, they, they crack the code with this post color space and how it can work with your panel and like with how everything works when you're using lift gamma again when you're using all the knobs like how they behave nothing comes close to it and davinci white gamut is my color space of choice when i'm inside resolve and guys on that note i do want to give you guys a heads up i'm super stoked that you guys are participating in the regrading your footage challenge uh it's not even a challenge it's going to be a series that i'm going to continue but we have so many requests came in. Keep them coming. If you watch my latest video, there is a link in the description where you can submit um, your footage and follow the instructions. And then I'm going to just keep picking, uh, sifting through, and then start doing videos on that. So the first video is going to be dropping tomorrow, and it is a good one. It is so great. And I just feel like the value from this series is going to be insane. I think I want to I wanna make it a little bit more interactive over time. So I'm going to start adding things like a voiceover of the person that is providing the footage so there is a little bit more human connection and maybe eventually do like literally a two to five minute um, uh, Zoom chat, you know, Zoom call and record that and then use that in the video too to once again make it just more fun um, than just like pure education-based content uh, that most of my channel is based around. So... A lot of exciting stuff is happening and, and also giving FaceTime to other people is just like a my way of giving back too because I feel like it just it gives you more exposure and, and everybody can use an exposure. Like I can go on other people's podcast and introduce myself to other audiences and everybody should be open to that. So this session was amazing. Thank you all for your endless support. It means the world to me. We're going to do another live next week. And until then, peace. And guys, thank you so much for sticking around till the end. Please leave a five-star review and make sure you're following this channel. I will see you in the next episode.